0: Get sleep. it was on my wedding night, I was tangled in the sheets, I was dreaming about a light, barring from a window, or coming up through the floor, passing down the of darkness, crashing through my kitchen door, down to that old hotel, I went to take a look,
1: Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Perfectly Good Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that is counting down every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order, A to Z. I am one of your hosts, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is my wonderful sister in all things Hyatt, Sylvan Groth.
2: Thank you so much, Jesse, and thank you for allowing me to open up the third chair for my second favorite singer-songwriter, an extremely talented person. I'm, I'm, everyone here is used to hearing me gush, so you might think I gush this way about just about anything and everything. I don't. I gush this way about really intelligent emotionally and intellectually people who can put some chords together together and some beautiful lyrics. And I am not exaggerating when I say that the first time I saw this person perform at a house show, I was completely not expecting it because I went for a wizard rock show. So he is (laughs) tangentially related to Stephanie Anderson, Jesse, but I was told, okay, now we're going to hear something that isn't wizard rock. And I was like, Oh, that's a bummer. I came for wizard rock. And then I was completely blown away i ran right up to this poor person and probably scared the daylights out of him (laughs) since then i have become a patreon supporter and anyone who uh is familiar with patreon I swear it's one of the best bargains on that platform. If you want to uh, subscribe to this person, you're going to have access to monthly concerts where he also opens up the fans to make requests that he can learn a different song as well as showing his own originals. And I am constantly shamelessly throwing John Hyatt songs into the mix and he does (laughs) them all brilliantly. So with all of that, let me please introduce the extremely talented musician extraordinaire, songwriter, poet, everything in between. He goes by pratik p r a t e k because I know how many people have a problem spelling myself <laughs> included. Prateek Podar. thank you so much for coming and joining us today.
3: Ah, oh, you're too kind. Thanks for having me on the show. this is the this is, is going to be fun, I think.
2: Yeah. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit about how you became a songwriter. And I don't think that Sylvan showing up at one of your Patreon concerts and talking about Giant Hyatt was the first time you heard about Jen Hyatt. A little bit about your familiarity with our favorite man here.
3: Okay. To go back to oh, by all means.
2: Where are you located or what's your stomping ground? Where are you performing mostly?
3: So I'm over in Belmont, Mass, about like five minutes from Cambridge, Massachusetts. So that's mostly where I play, Cambridge, Somerville, and the rest of the Boston area. Occasionally, I get down to Rhode Island. Very less than occasionally, I get up to Maine. But the past few years, I haven't really been playing a ton of shows out of state, for obvious reasons. Nonetheless, yeah, Massachusetts New England in general is my stomping ground. That's where I'm from. In terms of why I became a musician it i always grew up with music in the house my parents made the mistake of playing tom chapin tapes for me which is probably what started it all and then when i was like in the 6th grade we had a we had a music class where we learned to play guitar and i think that's where i got the bug and then some years passed i picked up the guitar i taught myself a few things That didn't go very well, so I took guitar lessons. And then I started writing songs sometime in college. And I think I always had the urge to try and write songs, but they were never very good, and I always gave myself a hard time about it. And then college, after being in, like, a couple of bands, that's where I developed the confidence to try and write my own stuff. So starting in, like... My junior year of college, that's when I started writing music. And then once I graduated, I moved back to the Boston area and started playing at every single open mic I could drive to. And that's pretty much how it happened.
2: Cool. Do you have an idea of how many songs you've written at this point?
3: Oh, geez. I feel like it's got to be close to a hundred, much less if we talk about the ones that I actually perform. But in terms of just stuff I've written, including all the stuff I've thrown away, I feel like it's got to be like around a hundred, maybe a little over, maybe a little less, plus or minus 15.
2: What is typically your inspiration? I I am lead Leading this question because of course yeah. I have consumed everything I can get my hands on that you yeah. feel was public ready. But yeah,
3: it's mostly I usually like to start with the words and then basically through through words or some particular turn of phrase, I usually use that as a way to mine like a particular experience or an emotion. Sometimes I start with a title and then that leads me to something I didn't know I was going to write a song about on some rare occasions probably related to the phases of the moon I set out with a very specific idea in mind of what I'm going to write and it actually works (laughs) so there's that but yeah Yeah,
0: yeah
2: You have very kindly agreed to allow us to play a song, which will be at the end of this podcast. Everybody Mm -hmm. stay tuned. Mm -hmm. And would you mind actually telling us a little bit about the inspiration for The Gang's All Gone?
3: Oh, yeah. I think The Gang's All Gone was a combination of stories that my brother told me about all his friends who were alcoholics and then stuff I saw all my friends who were alcoholics doing. And I think... If there's any viewers out there who can relate to this, there is a very certain combination of powerlessness and anger that you feel when you watch someone, particularly you watch someone you care about, spiraling because they have self-destructive tendencies and they struggle with addiction. And especially when there's like only so much that you can say to them and that they're going to do whatever they want, regardless of what you tell them. And yeah, the gang's all gone is really just very much about that.
2: And I think most of our listeners will understand why. As a John Hyatt fan, I was like, "Ooh, I'm digging this and want to dive deeper."
1: Yeah, yeah i I had told you before we hit a record. I had a story. I am normally like ninety nine point nine percent a non drinker, not because I have Mm -hmm. a problem with alcohol. It just, I just am someone who chooses not to drink. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not, I'm around sometimes friends and family that drink Mm -hmm. and they're, and they're having fun and it, but it can be a little loud and a little rambunctious as we say down South. And Mm -hmm. so (laughs) about a year ago, my wife was not drinking for the night for some reason. And she said, I don't like being around drunk people.
2: <laughs> and I looked at her and like I Do you understand what do you what think I've been going through? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, it's different. I'm like No. <laughs> and so when I heard Yeah, her, it's it's different when you're drunk. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so when yeah. you when I heard the song um I loved and and one of my favorite things and we talk about this sometimes on the podcast. Is when you mirror the lyrics and story, Mm -hmm. but then you counterbalance with a tune, really serious lyrics, but an upbeat melody or vice versa, happy lyrics and a mournful tune. Mm -hmm. So the song is very catchy, but it does have a, it is some good things to say. So I was really impressed with it and enough that now I'm looking forward to explore more of your work. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sylvan had asked, so can you remember when you discovered John and what about his music spoke to you?
3: So I got into John Hyatt specifically because of one of the radio stations in the Boston area. I want to say it was probably WUMB because WUMB is usually is usually the station around uh, the Boston area that plays a lot of roots rock. So it was probably either UMB, uh, WUMB, or, or WERS, probably WUMB. Regardless, one of those stations would reliably play Slow Turning on the radio, and I really grew to like that song because it's catchy as hell. And after so, uh, yeah, there was there would just come a point where I would just start uh, turning it up every time it came on, and I really liked it. And I think, and the other thing was that I, I, I play, I'm a guy, I, I play guitar and I sing. And at some point, if you do that and you like a lot of music that came out, cream, at some point you're going to hear about John Hyatt. Um, so partially because, partially because I've been hearing the name around and then partially because of Sylvan, I was just like, okay, I should dive into this guy, this guy, John Hyatt. And then when I looked up, when I looked him up and saw, asked, asked Google, you know, like, what songs this is, written, what's this guy's discography, uh, Slow Turning was one of the first things that came up. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's who he is. Oh, uh, well, that's great. And so that was one of the albums that I dove into, which is one of my favorite albums, period. Absolutely excellent. <laughs> and I think... So let's see I've gone through I've gone through slow turning I've gone through bring the family and I've gone through perfectly good guitar I'm still so I'm very much like still pretty new to his music but he's yeah he's great he really is
2: So we're going to be doing just the facts, which is my uh, homework section of the podcast very soon. And Mm -hmm. I realized that one of the facts I should have gathered is how many times you have very gracefully covered a John Hyatt song for me. I know the first one you did was wrote it down and burned it. And I shared Mm -hmm. it on Facebook and I will reshare it because it'll give everybody chills. You just nailed it. I'm pretty sure the most recent one was Aces Up Your Sleeve. Probably. Does any Are, other recall?
3: Actually, no, I haven't covered Aces Up Your Sleeve. I did cover The Music Is Hot. Um, Music Is which Hot, is thank also, you. Which is also very good. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was also getting to actually learning that song was a, a fun, was fun because I didn't, I, when Sylvan had asked me to learn that song, I actually... I also heard around the same time, it's, oh yeah, John Hyatt's doing this album with Jerry Douglas. And when I like when I was in college and I was like getting back into playing acoustic guitar stuff, I got really into bluegrass. Um, and if you get really into bluegrass, you hear Jerry Douglas. So I listened to a lot of stuff that he was playing on. Um, and it was really cool to um, hear that uh, that he and uh, John Hyatt were doing an album uh, together. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's mostly, it's been Road Down and Burn It, music is hot and then i've just started covering slow turning now whenever i get a chance because i love that song
2: very cool and my dream bill is no offense critique i would love for you to open for john because oh, no i offense can just take it i love it <laughs> yeah. are you
3: kidding me i just imagine
2: yeah. the crowd that is tailor-made for your music sitting there and not knowing what's about to hit him and being blown away so oh man,
3: that would be amazing yeah I, I would love we'll to
2: cross like our fingers guy. and maybe someone will be listening to this who has yeah. a little bit of if they, hey
3: if there's any if there's anyone out there who uh, can get in touch with John Hyatt's management I'm just saying I'm, ha- I'm happy to do
2: it and I'm saying trust yeah. me as the number one fan that yeah. it's the perfect match but... <laughs> yeah so
1: are you mentioned john and bluegrass are Mm -hmm. there other musicians that have been a big influence for you
3: yeah loads and loads i think so tom waits joni mitchell bob dylan towns van zandt to a lesser actually i wouldn't say to a lesser extent just in a different way guy clark love a lot of the texas guys but like especially towns van zandt and guy clark both of them are just incredible John Prine, for sure. I think John Prine and Guy Clark were, like, really are, like, where I really got my love and my deep appreciation for good novelty songs. I will, honestly, if I'm going to introduce anybody to Guy Clark the first song, I'm going to probably play his Homegrown Tomatoes, because yeah. it's just such a wonderfully, it's a very, it's a very sweet song, and it's also a very intelligent song. So, let's see guy clark john prine who else
2: i'll call you out a little bit that you've yeah. only mentioned men so far there's <laughs> got to be a woman in that mika
3: polly yeah. yeah mika polly for sure She's super underrated and i think she really hasn't gotten as much of a like her due, and she should really be playing much bigger shows i've only seen her on I've only actually I haven't gotten the chance to see her live. I've seen her name around on some shows. and Really, she needs to be playing the Sinclair at least or Passine. But she's absolutely incredible. So I put her up there for sure. And I'd say those are some of the biggest influences. I will say Brandi Carlile really hasn't influenced me so much in terms of uh, her lyrics or her way with melody, but early on when she came out just like the power of her voice like really blew me away so I think she was also an influence, uh, at least when it came to like singing and being willing to emote very directly on stage
1: yeah i agree she's pretty amazing and yeah. i i'm a big i love the fact like amanda shires and jason yeah. Isbell both adore mm. john prime and they both you know resigned the cma because they didn't include him in the tribute video when the year he died yeah
3: and i was like
1: that was, that's pretty cool that was that's extremely cool yeah, that they were like, okay, this is very cool. So very nice. All right, so we're, I'm sure we're going to get more as we talk, but let's get to our song. So Sylvan, Terrace, just the facts, please.
2: Okay, tonight we are talking about Dust Down a Country Road, which was track number seven on Walk On. It's right smack in the middle of the album, uh, especially if you're just counting what's listed as opposed to the bonus track. That album came out October 24th, 1995. This is the second song that we've discussed from that album. So I'm just going to skip over some of the general about that. And of course, we've got many more to go. Uh, it was produced by Don Smith for Moondog Productions, associate producer with JV Farahur, who is also the bass player. The musicians on this track are Michael Arbano on drums, JV Farahur on bass and vocal, and David Emmergluck on mandolin and background vocals. It was recorded at the yeah. Castle Studios or Castle Recording Studios in Franklin and mixed at AM. Well, a little bit of recording there. And i I think we're all going to be fairly familiar with the lyrics, so I'm not giving something away, that John used to tell a really cute story when he uh, was performing this song, that when he first did the demo, Nancy, his wife, and Georgia, his daughter, would ride around in the car together playing demos of giving feedback, and at one point, they were driving around, and Georgia burst into tears and was completely inconsolable. Nancy had to pull over the car and say, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Georgia said daddy's gonna kill the dog so we can all feel a little bit better if maybe we took this a little bit too seriously john also did a really cute story about how he had to try to explain what a metaphor is to his i think she was around eight at that time and i remember the first time i heard this was actually john played it at the newport folk festival a few Mm -hmm. uh months before the album was released and i pretty much had the same reaction oh my god what's wrong is john having a deep depression and is he actually gonna hurt this poor animal uh now we all know better that it is uh, a metaphor and a a beautiful story which we're gonna get into when we get into the (laughs) lyrics
1: all right sylvan has ruined my banter that was going to come back after this commercial but i'm still going to do it hang with this listen to a few of these ads and we're going to break down the song with our special guest and we will find out why john hates dogs
0: <laughs> hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds
1: And we're back. Thank you so much for being here, Pratik. Okay, Sylvan, I, you made a wonderful playlist of all these different covers, and so I'm listening to them. And every time it gets to the dog, I'm like, "This is messed up. Why did the dog? Why is he hating the dog?" I love that you preemptively, often on when we're discussing on my other podcast we're discussing thunder road people will say in the lyrics he says she's ugly right you ain't a beauty but hey you're all right and always in my mind say that i think mary talks about herself not necessarily being very attractive and he's trying to meet that objection by telling her hey you may not think you're very beauty but hey you're all right you you have done that now that i that john made his daughter cry And so when we get to that part of this song, I'm ready to hear what we think this is a metaphor for. Okay. But it it was very shocking to hear 12 different times. And if I had a bullet, I'd kill the dog. What?
2: What? Yes. Uh, Oh, and thank you for reminding me about the covers. We didn't have uh, many professional covers, but there's so many great amateur versions, including of course our uh, boy, Jake Thistle has a, a lovely version and, going back to asking about female musicians, I was digging hard to find someone, and I don't know if it is about the fact that he's talking about a woman leaving in this song, that there aren't really any female versions, but a wide range of age of men. And I definitely think that changes how you hear the song, if it's someone in his 20s or someone in his 70s singing this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also... Oh, uh, go
1: ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you your thoughts on the song. So you're doing perfect. Oh,
3: so (laughs) I think that, that there is a darkness to that verse that is pretty impressive. And I think it actually works pretty well with it works pretty well. with. It works really well with the song, because for me, like the song just has this kind of I feel like it's really much about this sort of like wanderlust that's been like bottled up for so long that it's just gone sour. And I think that and I think part of the reason why it's so jarring is like John Hyatt is is because John Hyatt has like a pretty like he writes about a pretty wide range of emotions. He's got some very funny songs. He's got some very sad songs. And I think even though the arrangement on the record is um, very upbeat, Uh, This is very much a sad song and it's very much, you know, there's a lot of it's I think frustration is the word. It's not so it's not so much melancholy, but it's got this wistfulness that sort of that turns into frustration in a very beautiful and a very sad way. Yeah. And I really love it. And there's. Also, just the way that the first couple of lines of the uh, first line of the chorus is like Like, John Hyde's so good with melodies. That's good. So glad
2: you just sang there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Jesse and
2: I talk all the time about our lack of musical ability. And I love you and I love your voice critique. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that little bit with us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, this is, Yeah. yeah. Sylvan, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, and the wistfulness, and I think really there's songs about tragedies, and then this is a song about a tragedy that is has its welcome. Like, mm, it's yeah. wishing that melancholy could just pass along, that I definitely get the impression that he's talking about someone who left, whether yeah. it was by a death or going on to a different relationship yeah. quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And yet these feelings remain, yet he's still dreaming about this person. Yes. And he's just wishing that cycle of those emotions could end. Because we've yeah. all had things that made us very sad. And then we get to a point where it's you're frustrated that you're still sad about it. It's, can't I just get past this already? Yeah,
3: very much, very much.
2: Yeah. How about you, Jesse? Uh, so
1: I, by the way, I do have to, I've already mentioned a Springsteen song, so of course the other drink, Jason Isbell, on his new album, one of the songs, Cast Iron Skillet, Don't Wash the Cast Iron Skillet, he mentions different phrases that people say, and one of them is, if that dog bites my kid, I'll kill it.
2: Interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a theme here in music I'm listening to that dogs are not very safe. No, I think this is a really interesting story song not like a harry chapin story song Mm -hmm. but there actually is a he is telling something right he is telling a time and it's done it is very well done and the i the other thing i did i also sent you sylvan is that in the same album king of oklahoma jason talks about she used to make me bring me coffee in the morning and this talking about breakfast i just this song paints an image you you see these people and it's just a really an interesting kind of peek into their lives
2: and i think it's fair to call it a story song but it's also a backstory song where we're not getting the full backstory we're getting the epilogue of where this person ended up after fill in the blank and Mm -hmm. i really love the dramatic tension of that and the fact that you can interpret it so many different ways
1: yeah the also we don't know how reliable this narrator is
0: there Absolutely. could be a very
1: unreliable mm-hmm. narrator, which <laughs> is always interesting as and you might want to talk a little bit about that, for right? Yeah. As a songwriter, uh, right? You sometimes to tell the story. M- my good friend Sarah used to say, I never let the st- I never let the truth get in the way of a good story when she's on stage <laughs> yeah. and telling stories. Yeah, you might think about that sometimes is even though it's three chords and a truth sometimes there's a bigger truth an emotional truth is what sylvan often calls it
2: yeah budging the facts uh yeah. definitely could be happening here and i don't know have you discovered those opportunities yet in your songwriting critique where maybe i'll tweak this setting or change the outcome of a particular tale
3: yeah, I think to a certain extent, but I think what what this song does, and what I want to go back to what you said, is the song is an epilogue um, mm-hmm. to something that happened a while ago, and I think that's something the more interesting thing that I want to grab onto because I think it's so much more effective. I shouldn't say more effective, but I, I think I know from my sensibilities that. I love, I do enjoy like a good 70s story song, but one thing that I really love is songs that sort of paint a picture about a person at a particular place after something happened and they act as the epilogue to something that happened a while a while ago and the song kind of paints a, uh, a picture of where the person is now. And to me, that's just a very, it's a very interesting and it's a very grounded way to portray, to paint a picture, especially when you're talking about something heavy where, you know, just like someone leaving somebody and it's just, it's really beautiful.
2: Comforting because as the narrator in this, we go through these tragedies and we think we're never going to get over them Mm -hmm. and time heals all wounds or whatever cliche you want (laughs) to add in there. But in the meantime, To have company in that space of something horrible happened and now I have to deal with the outcome is nice. And that's what music and art is about for me is to find comfort and company in those emotions that are really hard to handle on our own.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You want to get into the lyrics? Or before, since we have a musician on, (laughs) is there any thoughts you want to share about the musical side of it before we get to the lyrics?
3: Um, I guess a couple of things. I love the melody on the chorus. I love his phrasing, the way that he phrases everything throughout, putting just like these little pauses in just the right places. What I'm also really struck by is that something I've always really loved about John Hyatt is that on most of his albums I think there there's some people there's some exceptions that some people might argue about but for the most part all the albums that I've listened to like the production on his albums and the arrangements are always really clean and they don't add a lot of unnecessary frills and I think this is a really good example of it. Like I love that it, the instruments is basically there's a guitar, there's bass, there's drums, and then there's a mandolin. There's no electric guitar. There's no fi- uh, like fiddles in the backgrounds or keyboard or anything like that. And I think really one thing that I love about that is that it gives the song a lot of space. And instead of trying to fill a lot of a lot of space and kind of make as much sound as possible, like the arrangement really just lets things breathe and it lets the words and the emotions that the words induce like creep into all those spaces. So that's one thing that I love about a lot of his songs. And I think it's very much on display here.
2: Thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah thank you.
1: I-, I love that the idea of space, right? Space, I'm um, good on that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really the idea of. This pacing that you gives you time to breathe and kill Uh, the characters. So yeah, yeah. set.
3: Yeah, I love uh, bands and artists who have some like very dense arrangements where they try where there's there's a lot going on, or and sometimes because it's layers, sometimes because they have a they try to build like a massive soundscape. Um, I love those as well, but I think so for John Hyatt stuff, I. Every song I've heard by him has always been best served by leaving plenty of space in the arrangement so that you as the so that the listener is able to actually take in the words more. Because the other thing, too, because the thing about it is that I guess the kind of the other way of looking at it is that you don't is that you the lyrics are act act as instruments, too. So you want to actually leave space for them the voice is an instrument and the actual lyrics that they're saying are also instruments. And so yeah, I love that he I love that he does that and I love that you actually get to um really take every word in. I might be a little I might be a little bit biased as the first time that cuz normally what I like to do is I like to listen to a song for the first time without lyrics just and then just see if i can take it in before i pull up a lyric sheet with this one i pulled up a lyric sheet just so i could like actually like really take things in a little bit more quickly but given how sparse the arrangement is and like how clearly he's singing i don't think i really needed to like it's like you can really take in you can really take in everything and you can actually have enough space to take in everything during the course of the song which is very impressive given that it's only four minutes
2: yes it does seem like a much longer song than when i was seeing the timing on it it was surprised me as well Mm -hmm. and um if i can add my two cents about the instrumentation um as i said i first heard this at the newport folk festival it was just john and a guitar and it was like Mm, okay classic john hyatt and then i remember when this album came out such a big deal was made out of david emmerick gluck filling it up with this mandolin which had The mandolin might have occurred on another song, but it wasn't front and center in any Mm. of John's music before. And since then, I don't think I've been to a concert where there was a band that didn't bring out a mandolin because it almost became a trademark, especially with these songs. And I think Dust Down a Country Road, Cry Love were probably the two that were most, you can't really imagine a band playing it without a mandolin there. And I'm pretty sure that holds true on all the versions I found. How about yeah. you, Jesse?
1: Yeah, I think it in it is such a fun, unique sound, mm-hmm. and it yeah. fits with the feeling of the song. So, yes, I agree. It is really cool. So, yeah.
2: Have you ever picked up a mandolin, critique
3: I tried to once in my twenties, and I, I was not very successful with it. But I do think it's a really it works really well on this song. And I think I'm really glad that they, that John and the band chose to go with a mandolin instead of trying to make an electric guitar work with this or something, because it has a very different sound. It has that sort of like distinct kind of like a plinky plank sound. And I think that would be it just it suits the song so well. And I really just can't imagine another instrument trying to take that lead role. I can imagine John singing the solo and I can imagine him with a band that has a mandolin, but like there, it just works so well. It's just so perfectly married to the song.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yes. All right. We want to delve into the
2: lyrics? Sure. Do you have lyrics available or would you just like to do do commentary? Okay. So typically we just go... Uh, verse, and I don't mind going first. If you no. gentlemen don't mind, ladies first, ladies no.
1: first, always. All
2: right, could not get to sleep. It was on my wedding night. I was tangled in the sheets, and I was dreaming of a light pouring from her window, coming up through the floor, lifting up the darkness, crashing through my kitchen door. So, John isn't always poetic, sometimes his lyrics are just as spare and i don't want to say basic but just really simple which is beautiful but these for their simplicity are beautiful images and Mm -hmm. we're definitely getting a tone Mm -hmm. of something not quite going right and it's very interesting that he places this on a wedding night a night that's supposed to be full of joy and celebration and sleeplessness, but not the kind that he's describing. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I really love that. I've one of the lessons I very much internalized is that is as a songwriter, is like really making every single line count, beginning with the first couple of the lines. And just these, this first half of that first verse, he's like immediately. He's not wasting any time, immediately paints a picture. And uh, that, like you said, is very, it's the words are very simple, but they're even with basically just keeping it to two syllable words at max, he's able to paint such a beautiful picture of something that's something that has clearly gone wrong. And it's really well done.
2: Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> playing with light and darkness certainly isn't groundbreaking in poetry, but I think he's doing something interesting here that the light is actually the disturbance usually it's the darkness is coming over and we're feeling afraid and scared of the darkness overcoming us darkness on Mm -hmm. the edge of town or something like that Mm -hmm. he's actually using light pouring from the window coming up through the floor invading his quiet solitude and peacefulness in a way that like you just can't escape the light finds its way in Mm -hmm. jesse
1: yeah i So a little likeness, right? There's nothing worse than sheet or blanket instability, right? Like Mm -hmm. you've, you've, you've tossed and turned and now then your sheets all messed up and your things. So you like, uh, sometimes you almost have to get out of bed and remake your bed to fix that stability. And I am thinking of the lyrics, I'm on fire too, where sheets soaking wet in a freight train running through my mind. I, I love your point, Sylvan, that. I saw the light. I, 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 The idea of, I saw her standing there. I just, till I saw the light in your eyes. There's so many songs about seeing lightness is a, there's, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And hopefully it's not a train coming in. It's what we joke about at work. But, and in this case, he was dreaming of a light, but it's lifting up the darkness, right? It isn't pushing away the darkness. And you- I'm immediately thinking, OK, did was he, it, to be literal, was he sleeping at some time and he noticed that the light's on and in there and his significant other is leaving and she was mm-hmm. going to try to slip away? I, we don't know what's happening here, but it is interesting, I think, that pouring from the window, coming through the floor, you're being engulfed by light versus being engulfed by darkness. But it's not necessarily a good thing. And that's why would putting a light in something be a good thing, not be a good thing? And is it because you're bringing to light issues or problems you're having?
2: You have to give one little footnote there. There's a great song by Cracker, Light at the End of the Tunnel, which the verse is, and someone, please tell me it's not a train. <laughs> and we've got two members of Cracker playing on this song. So there's a oh, little of time. Very nice. Oh, <laughs> yes. well
1: done, uh, Sylvan. Nice. Yes, that's, that's good. That's All right, good. guys. All right. You want me to go next?
2: Yes, please, Jesse.
1: All right. So down to that old oak table, I went to take a look and my whole life flashed before me, just like a storybook. She used to make me breakfast and sit around and talk, have another cup of coffee, or maybe take a little walk. Mm-hmm. There's so much sadness in that line we mm-hmm. used to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I sent I sent Sylvan last night the link to the video of King of Oklahoma, because is it's a song about someone is now addicted to oxy and he's lost everything. And he talks about he's lost his wife now and she used to make him feel like the king of Oklahoma. His whole flash before he, is he remembering the good times? He's definitely remembering the bad times and things he's done wrong. Is my, I get that. Pratik, what are your thoughts on that that lyrics?
3: Honestly, my initial impression when I first heard the song was that I was like, all right, it's using a lot of the same cliches. But honestly, when you really break it down to analyze it, it's really well done. And again, it's just, yeah, my my screen's subdividing these lines a bit weird. but Yeah, no, that's about eight lines. Oh, you're fine. It's this uh, lyrics website that I'm looking at. But yeah, so again, eight lines immediately lays out everything you need to know for the chorus to make sense. And yeah, I love it. And it also really just paints like a very, really, really continues that vivid image of somebody just like waking up in the middle of the night and it's and yeah it's also the someone was saying there's a lot his lyrics tend to be really simple it's again here and it's all the little it's like really all the little details that make it things like she used to make me breakfast like the emphasis on used to and
2: calling it out as an oak table he's not describing it as the kitchen table and songwriter critique. let me know if I'm overanalyzing this and maybe it's just about he needed a nice short one syllable word right there to make the meter work but like I'm struck by the fact that it's something solid it's something that's probably pretty expensive that you couldn't throw away even though maybe you know you wanted to redecorate after someone had left and get rid of all those things that remind you but it's heavy literally and figuratively it's not Mm -hmm. going anywhere And it's also, I find Oak beautiful, but yeah, I guess he could have just as easily said down to that kitchen table, he said down to that old Oak table.
3: Yeah. Yeah. As a songwriter, my mind is being down to the kitchen table. seems a little bit more conversational and less like you're dropping Uh like an obvious detail just to make it work but he also he says kitchen in the line before which is and so you don't want to repeat yourself and i think mm-hmm. it's just it's a as a songwriter one of the things is that it's sometimes you just need a sometimes you just need a like a, a short one syllable word or two syllable word that'll fill like a particular space in the melody so that the line just scans properly but if it actually if it's something that makes people pay attention to it, then yeah, that's ultimately a win because you want to get people to zone in on it. And so, you know, like even, you know, dropping details like that, as you know, is like goofy as it can initially sound. It's part of what you have to do as a songwriter because it's just like you're trying to, you're trying to paint a picture and you don't have a palette or a photograph to paint to show that picture to the audience for you. You only have words that you're trying to use to conjure up that image. So whatever little details you can conversationally drop into the song, are every single one of those is important. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's that. I really I like that because that oak table is a specific image, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. not a formico table, or it is that as you talked about, Sylvan, something heavy, something strong, and you picture well worn too right? Where yeah. you add the, the coffee stains, maybe, or yeah. the rings or something. Okay, yeah, I like that. Ex- exactly. And
3: I actually, what you were doing is also like another good is actually dem- is another good demonstration of why it's important to drop these little details in. Because one of the cool things about if you use by as a songwriter, if you use one specific detail and point it out, and call and point it out in a way that people grab onto it, what that allows the listener to do is to also add in a bunch of other specific details without you having to mention it. What you were saying about an oak table versus a formica table, if you look at that, it's just, if it was like a formica table, then what you think about is that formica table, you think suburban house, it's a tiled kitchen floor, made these kinds of really like flat, not super high, I wouldn't say low, but those kind of like flat ceilings. And if you're mm-hmm. trying to pick, and that could, which would work really well if you're trying to pick, that could work really well for a particular type of picture of loneliness and isolation. But with an oak table, maybe you're thinking more like country house, uh, you know, like country house, small, probably cold at night. So, yeah. And you uh, mentioned the like
2: floors. We just established that light is coming yeah. up through the floors. So floor. there's probably some so cracks. Probably, yeah. So probably yeah. so that
3: floor, like floorboards, like probably, probably like really like cold under your feet. And
1: yeah. And all
3: just by using like that one particular word in that one particular place. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: God, well done. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Great.
2: So now we're at the chorus and is it Pratik's turn? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So it's like, leg dust down a country road, blowing in the wind behind an old truck load. Up before the rooster crowed, there's an old dog staring at the dust down a country road. Really, so one of the things I like immediately is, is like a very classic songwriter trick, especially for singer-songwriters, is immediately differentiating the rhyme scheme of the chorus from the verse. Um Interesting. Yeah, right away, providing that element of contrast. And also, and then I think the other thing that another really good way he also brings in that element of contrast is that the chorus has a lot of the sustained notes. So it's dust down a country road, blowing in the wind behind an old truckload. So he's like really drawing some of those notes out at the end in a way where in a way that really nicely contrasts the somewhat wordier verses where he's painting a lot of details, which is like very much like something that a lot of the guys with singer songwriters do. But it's a really good trick and it works Mm -hmm. really well, especially when you've got when you're when you've got a song that's like around four minutes or so, you're able to convey a lot of information by doing that. And then the other thing that having that that particular rhyme scheme where it's just road, rhymes with load, rhymes with crowed, and then he ends it with road again, is that it's, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this, but it, what it does, it, it gives every line a very similar weight. And... I I guess the best way to describe it is that best way I can describe it is that. So for drummers, there's a groove that's called four on the floor. Uh, To anyone who's not familiar with the term, it's when the drummer is basically accenting every single beat. So it's you hear that you'll hear once you listen for it. You'll hear in a lot of stuff, obviously electronic music, but also a lot of disco and a lot of stuff that you know, like a lot of stuff where you really want to get people to dance but the effect that it has is like every single beat is accented, which is very different from when a drummer plays something with a backbeat and that's... Tss, 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 tss. So the accent only occurs on the second and the fourth beat and it really draw your it draws your ears to them. There's an up and then there's a down. There's a setup and there's a payoff. And, that, and John Hyatt's kind of doing that with the lyrics here. The verses have... With the verses, the lines have like a setup and a payoff, and a setup and a payoff. And the rhyme scheme very much reflects that because it could not get to sleep. It was on my wedding nights, it's tangled in the sheets, and I was dreaming of a light. So, equi- actually quite it works really well because it's in groups of four. So, it translates to the drumming analogy very neatly. So, like right away, you're like drawn to the second and fourth lines. But whereas with the chorus, He wants to make every line hit. So that's why. So like, again, you have the road and then load and then crowed. And it's really smart. So much of about being a good songwriter is like strategically drawing people's attention. It feels like being a stage magi- like magician in that way, and yes, there definitely is an overlap with some like artful misdirection. But I think mean, like that misdirection is also like in in service of much thing. It's about drawing attention to specific things, and so like the rhyme scheme and the particular melodies and everything, and just really do that in a very artful way
2: we say all the time that we need a yeah. professional musician to <laughs> yes, give yeah. us some more of this technical stuff that was so great thank you Brian. yeah i love Very nerding much. out about this stuff
1: it's <laughs> awesome. yeah, no, that's yeah and what i think about i'm a big pen and teller fan and i listen to penjelas <laughs> yeah, yeah. podcast right and he talks about that for the longest time jerry seinfeld is definition of magic is here's a quarter now it's gone now it's back you're an asshole i'm an asshole and Versus him and Teller decided very early that they would be honest in their magic. It's a trick. It's doing this. Mm -hmm. And the idea of what looks to be very simple is actually very complex. And Mm -hmm. Bruce will talk about that, right? When on Storytellers, that really good special where he talked about writing songs and he goes, was I consciously thinking of this when I did it? Maybe. Maybe but I was emotionally feeling it all. And so to make yeah. this, it's in, once you point it out, it's easy to see the road, crowed road. But before mm-hmm. that, it's just, it it just smooth. Once again, so we talked about how easy it is. We also think I also maybe have a reason why he may want to hurt the dog. Not literally, yeah. but a metaphor yep. is we all know of a, where they're sitting at what's the cliche of sitting near the door waiting for their owner to come back they are missing mm-hmm. yeah. and you can almost see this dog on the front porch once again i have a rural image because of the oak the old truck mm-hmm. the blowing in the yep. wind the yep. country road so you, so you picture yep. that of on a front porch Yep. So- Sitting there the way dogs do with their his his muzzle his his face in his mm-hmm. arms staring at the road wanting her to come back. Or mm-hmm. and yeah. and that's reminded every time he sees it that they're waiting for them to too, and that reminds him of the pain.
3: Yeah, very yeah. much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sylvan, other thoughts on the chorus?
2: Uh no, I think we we've covered it pretty good there. Okay, so, good. All next right. verse.
1: Yes, please.
2: And that truck is going somewhere. I just can't be sure. <clears throat> when tomorrow's just the day after all that's gone before. And I always thought of leaving. I never could stay too long. Yeah. Now her memory's catching up and our sweet dreams are all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. kind of just says that this has been happening for Quite a while. And the line about tomorrow's just the day after all that's gone before, it speaks to the hopelessness that things aren't going to change, that I'm going to feel just as down as I am right now. And she's not coming back. And the idea that I always thought of leaving, but here I am still just. Waiting for her memory and all those good hopes that we had uh, not showing up.
3: Yep, it's also really good because one thing that I actually really appreciate about this song that I actually don't think I've heard in another song is um, not only does it not only does it lead into the chorus very smoothly. But it also actually comes out of the chorus. I like that he specifically references the truck that's in the chorus because not a lot of songs do that. Mm, not right. a lot of not a lot of songs where there's not a lot of songs where the verse will directly reference something in the chorus. And I'm really impressed with how he's able to do that. and then he's able to transition so smoothly back into the chorus again. Which is just, it's, again, it's just like a masterclass of being able to direct the listener's attention in a very particular way. Yeah. Excellent songwriting.
1: And once again, take a drink, but there was an interview with yeah. uh, Jason Isbell that talked about yeah. why do we like choruses? But we do. He said that we like it because we get to sing along and repetitiveness. but in this, and I hadn't thought about that till you mentioned it, but it is part of the story. It oh, is like much. when you repeat something, when you're telling a story, you may repeat. And remember now, I had, he's almost saying, and remember now, I'm dust on a country road. I love that tomorrow's just the day after all that's gone before. The opposite yeah. of Annie's, the sun will come out tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. <laughs> In this, he's, no, there are no better days this is where I am and I am stuck in this with my sad dog on a dusty road. Yep. The air conditioner's not working and yep. and her memory is catching up and all our sweet dreams are gone, which another great image sweet dreams. That wonderful Patsy Cline song and that that imagery our sweet dreams are all gone. Yes, I love this transition. Yeah.
3: It's just it's really good. And it's also another great way to just not waste time with painting the picture because what he does with the lyrics, the lyrical structure of this song is a very classic, it's a sort of like three verses with the chorus, and then the second and third verse are half as long as the first verse. So the first verse like really basically takes its time and like really sets up all the little detail like all the details that lead into the chorus. And then the second and third verse develop the story in a, sort of like a much shorter time than that first verse. And so it's a very, it's a very good, it's a very good way to convey. It's a very smart way to convey a lot of information in a relatively short amount of time. And he really just with that smooth transition out of the chorus, then the smooth transition back into the chorus, he really makes the most of that particular structure.
2: I can see that now. I, yeah. I wouldn't have without that. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. No, that's it's like a
3: that. That's I think it that's the probably one of the most used song structures in pretty much anything that doesn't have a bridge. Yeah. 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 And there's a reason. It's because it, it works really well.
2: Yep. yep. Jesse, I, we at the last verse? Or, yes. yes uh,
1: anything else you yeah. want to share about that verse? No? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we get the chorus again, and then we get if I had a bullet, I'd put it in this gun, and I'd catch that old dog napping, and I'd shoot him before he runs. Daddy's killing your right. No. Okay. Because <laughs> he ain't Much good for nothing except staring at the dust. Lord, I wonder what he's looking at sneaking up on us.
2: Mm. Very good. Also Very good. Yeah. So Sylvan,
1: how about you first this time? It
2: really does give you chills and the idea of trying to escape your past either by staying at home out in the country or trying to change your landscape but it's going to come after you. And the idea of that sixth sense that animals have, every horror movie plays with the idea that Mm. the bad guy is outside and the dog barks, or you see an animal cat screeching or something like that. And it just puts us on edge because. Disturbingly,
3: disturbingly semi-inverted in the conjuring where the, uh, the, where the, uh, the spirit kills the dog first so that it can't warn the people.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 And th- the idea that he's so fed up with these thoughts and these feelings and this freaking dog that is mm-hmm. reminding him of these thoughts and these feelings that he just wishes he yeah. could get away with it and then that the way he phrases it of if I had a bullet I would put it in this gun I don't even have the autonomy to make this decision to make it go away. I'm yeah. just stuck here with absolutely no options but to keep on having these thoughts, these dreams and yep. memories.
3: Yeah. It's also really good because of like another songwriter trick that is part of this whole part of the whole three verse and three three verse and three chorus structure is have is using the last verse to make you to add another layer to the chorus. And the song again just does that really effectively because For the first two choruses, it's always about things blowing away like dust um, down a country road. Mm -hmm. Now what he does is he adds another layer to that with um, something sneaking up on you. And then that kind of adds to the picture because you add to the emotional picture where it's not just like things are also just blowing away outside of the narrator's control. They're also just blowing in and then they'll probably blow away again while he just sits here and stews. And it's, really, and it's really smart. And It's like one of those things that you might not really think about until you like really look closely at it. But again, it's just like the song is just like a really just a master class and like good, like tightly written, tightly paced songwriting.
2: <clears throat> Other thoughts, Jesse?
1: I, yeah, I just am, I'm, I'm mentally figuring out my ranking because before this discussion, I had a number. And Uh-oh. it is now a higher number
3: thanks to <laughs> yeah. because
1: of this. It is there once again, we were talking about magic tricks, right? There are the type that sometimes when they show you how a trick is done, you're actually disappointed that it was so easy. Yeah. Damn, yeah, I shouldn't add. And others is you go, Oh my God. You're actually more impressed. Was, yeah, yeah I'm more now. impressed that now yeah. you know you had to do that. And to be able to do all those things so seamlessly. And that's how I feel about the song, is that as you break it down, Briddick, and talking about the mechanism and what he's doing makes me admire the song even more. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, it's when you, because he's not showing the work, right? The imagery's there, but when you break Mm -hmm. it down, it's wow there's a lot going into this once again I'm it bur- seems
2: like an effortless little peek into yeah. the, this long standing world that right. has obviously been there for quite a while and will continue after we turn our gaze away yeah but it's just this perfect little vignette and yes. y- you're entirely engulfed in it and you're feeling all the feelings with them and yeah and It's also just really pretty. It is.
1: (laughs) It really is. I was thinking of, uh, I was lucky enough last summer, I went up to the Bob Dylan (laughs) Museum up in Tulsa. And there, you know, you think of Blood on the Tracks and the fantasy, the image, the legend is his heart's breaking. He opens a vein. He pours out his feelings and that full-fledged, this classic album. But when you look at the notebooks he had of the amount of work Dylan did to pick exactly the right words, what he wanted is it is the same way. It is. I love the romance and the legend of I just pulled up my guitar and I wrote it. Tom T. Hall said I love is a horrible example because i wrote it in a few minutes it made millions of dollars it doesn't happen that way this so feels
3: tom, good job it- bringing up tom t hall because i think like a song like pamela brown is like a really is also like a really good master class and just like yeah great effective storytelling in a relatively short song
1: by the way i just wanted to throw that out there okay now i want you to come <laughs> to set less thing bruce and let's break down that song yeah i love that <laughs> yeah i so yeah i just am I really, I like the song, but after seeing the bones of the structure, I like it even more. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I am personally just like a sucker for songs like this that kind of seem very simple at the surface level and then actually have a lot more going on under the surface. And it's, it's great, too, because, like, it, on first listen, it seems like it's just like a breezy little heartbreak song. There's, like, the there's a little mandolin solo. It kind of, like, sticks it in the middle, sticks it in the middle of the album. Like, not necessarily next to, like, any of the big flashy showpiece tracks. But it's also just, it's it's really a gem. And as you dig into it anymore, it's just, like, one of the things I love about it is that it's just, like, as I, as a songwriter, I get this compulsion to take apart songs Be like, it was like, could I, like, how would I, like, how would I do this? One thing I really love about this song is that anytime I try to take something out, I just end up putting it back. I'm just like, no, this is, this is perfectly built as it is.
2: No more, no less. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is just, yeah, it is, it is absolutely, there's not a word or chorus or note wasted. It is exactly Mm -hmm. what he wants. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Sylvan? Any final thoughts?
2: I think we have covered this quite well. I don't know if I should review the scale since we do have a guest. Uh, Some of our our listeners have, first of all, claimed that I am a very harsh critic. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just trying to use the scale as it was intended. And they also say that whenever I mention the scale, it means I'm going to give a really bad rating or a tougher (laughs) rating than usual. One to five stars. And it is on a scale of John Hyatt songs, not songs beyond John's catalog. So a one star song is, it's of course good because it's John Hyatt, but maybe every once in a while you skip it when it comes on the iPod. A two star is a good solid song, but maybe not as comparable to others. A three star song is a song that you would put up against anything that's popular today or of its time. And it proves that John Hyatt is one of the best singer songwriters around. A four star are the classics. Everything about the song is quality and you want to listen to it again and again. The five star are the best of the best, the songs that you can't stop listening to. Maybe you even annoy people by how much you love the song. So that's where we're going. And I am willing to go first, gentlemen, if I started with it. Yeah. I think perfect. I thought about this a lot. And for me, the special. Sways of a bonus point here and there are one. Are there interesting covers that show me that there is something that this song can do that even John didn't know that he could do? We had some beautiful covers. I love them all. I listened to all 12 of them on repeat all day today. I didn't get bored with it once, but they were all of a type. Yeah, maybe a really great singer songwriter from the Boston area might do something completely different but the, it's neither here nor there yeah. <laughs> uh, the other bonus point I sometimes give is that does this song tell me something about my own life or humanity in general that I didn't know when the first notes played that I I have learned something I have gone on a journey that yeah that that might actually be going on here but I'm going to have to land at a four. It is not the first song I would play for someone who hadn't heard of John Hyatt. I would definitely raise it as a good example, but it, to me, it's just, it's that perfect wheelhouse of not right in the middle, definitely of the, his better songs, but it just is a John Hyatt song and it's a really good one. So four stars. Critique.
3: I'm gonna have to give it four, too. Yeah, no, it's a great song. It's a tight song. I think I'm I'm with Sylvan that it's probably not something one I'd necessarily use to introduce someone to John Hyatt, but it's really smart. It's really well written and well paced and well arranged, which is you know, like in the world of singer-songwriters, there there's a lot of great songs that have had terrible recordings. And, there's, and there, there's a lot of fans of a lot of musicians who've just accepted this as part and parcel for liking someone who most um, performs by themselves. But this is a, but it, so it's always nice when you get something that's not only really well-written, but really well-arranged. And I'm also just, again, I'm also impressed that he just so well, not only the verses don't just transition into the chorus, they actually reference, they actually reference the chorus. He does that twice and it works perfectly both times. So yeah, easy four stars.
1: Yeah, so I was actually (laughs) joking about making this a two because I'm against dog violence, but I walked in with a three. This was going to be a solid three. It's certainly a good John Hyatt song, nothing outstanding. But after seeing how seamlessly we've built something special, I've got to go a four too. I just really, I will listen to this song with new appreciation because of your feedback. I really love that you did that. And I subconsciously I understand that the lyrics led it to the verse, which the chorus, which led to another verse, which led to the chorus, mm-hmm. and it's all seamless. But till you point it out, you're going, do you see how he's doing that? I just, yeah, I think this is a solid four. And just, I have loved talking about this and there that proves just because Sylvan gives the scale, doesn't mean she's going to give it a one or a two.
3: There we go. There right? we go. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, I, I think well, I, th- I can definitely see that if you're not in the mood for the little, like a, like a country heartbreak song might not be the kind of song you want to listen to. And then the imagery might seem a little trite as opposed to interesting but it's a good song. It's well-written. I think it's, and it, the fact that he's able to just breeze through it again instead of such a short amount of time and still tell so much of the story is just, that's impressive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if someone wants to learn more about your music and contact you, how can they, sir?
3: All right. So, the probably the best way would be my website. So that's uh, pratiquesongs.com, P R A T E K. songs.com. And my music is available on most major streaming platforms. So, Spotify, Bandcamp, Google Play, Apple Music. So, you can check it out there. My latest album is which came out earlier this year is called Till June. I believe the song that y'all are going to play in a bit is off of that, as well as a bunch of other songs that I'm really proud of. There's a song on there called If I Were a Dog, which also is a mandolin solo. Just thought I'd throw that out there. So oh, nice. uh, this song has a mandolin solo. Ma- the mandolin's a great instrument, man. It's yeah. not just it's not just because it's not just because of Chris Thiele, although the man has done quite a bit to raise the mandolin's profile in recent yeah. years, but it's a great instrument. And uh, but yeah, so pratiquesongs.com, music on all the usual stream platforms. If you are looking me up, it's just Prateek, P-R-A-T-E-K, not an I. Some people spell it with an I, I do not. And uh, yeah, it's just Prateek, no last name
1: given. Yeah. All right. And go ahead and plug <laughs> your Patreon.
3: Oh yeah, I might as well get into that. I am also on Patreon. If you listen to my music and you decide that you feel compelled to financially support it, Patreon is a great way to do that. There's various subscription tiers. For anyone who's not super familiar with Patreon, you can basically think of it as a site that allows you to subscribe to, your, to an artist that you particularly like. And as with a lot of subscription services, there's various different tiers. The lowest tier on mine is $5 a month, and there's a few tiers above that with progressively more money. Either, regardless of which one you pick, one of the benefits that you get is a live stream concert that I do on the first Sunday of every month.
2: And Sylvan is there religiously. So you can come and hang out with me. Yep.
3: Yep. So there you go. You get to hang out with Sylvan and you get to, so I will play a bunch of my songs and then I'll also open up the open, open it up for requests. And basically every month, I uh, ask people for a request, like a particular song they'd like me to do. And then I learn it and I play it at the next concert. And so that way, every concert, there is one song that is guaranteed not by me and also guaranteed selected by everyone in the audience.
2: That is awesome.
1: It is Um, a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. We have so much fun. Yes. (laughs) It
1: sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Um, Sylvan, if someone wants to reach us, how can they?
2: They can find our Facebook page, Perfectly Good Podcast, and we also have a Gmail where they can drop us a line. We are, of course, stalking the John Hyatt fan page constantly. I am Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter, and yeah, you can hang out at Pratik's Sunday Sweatpants. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I also just wanted to say one more time, if I haven't gushed and embarrassed him enough, that I... There are very few people in the world that I could say can follow up not only a John Hyatt song, but this kind of in-depth discussion about how great a John Hyatt song is and have another song play and go, wow, that was a really great song too. So everybody don't stop listening yet. You have to hear the end of this one. Absolutely.
1: And yeah, I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter, AKA X, and I am going to try to convince patrick to join me on set Lessing bruce now yeah please check out the music let him know that you heard about it here and we just want to say thank you for listening and being us on this journey as we go through every john hyatt song and i think the only left to say is have a little faith okay have
3: a little faith thank
2: you everyone bye bye
3: have a good one y'all Likes you when you're stoned they just hate to be alone, but not so much they'll
1: take you home.
2: Oh
3: no one likes you when you're drunk. You're too big to call a punk Sell that ship until it's sunk